right. Well, so glad to be here once again to look out and see some familiar faces and uh, greetings from Texas. Howdy, everybody. <laughs> and I know many people have said happy birthday, but I want to say happy birthday, Merry Christmas, but happy birthday, Jesus. Today is the celebration of his birth. And, um, I found this little thing some years ago, and I want to share it with you. And it goes like this. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the town, not a sign of baby Jesus was anywhere to be found. The people were all busy with Christmas time chores, like decorating and baking and shopping in stores. No one sang away in the manger, no crib for a bed. Instead, they sang of Santa dressed up in bright red. Mama watched Martha Stewart, Papa drank beer from a tap. As hours upon hours, the presents they wrapped. When what from the TV did they suddenly see? Except an ad which told of a big sale at Macy's. So away to the mall, they all flew like a flash, buying things on credit and others with cash. And as they made their way home from their trip, to the mall, did they think about Jesus? No. Oh no, not at all. Their lives were so busy with their Christmas time things, no time to remember Christ Jesus the King. There were presents to wrap and cookies to bake. How could they stop and remember who died for their sake? To pray to the Savior, they had no time to stop. Because they needed more time to shop till they dropped. On Walmart, oh, on Kohl's, on Target, on Amazon, on Costco, on Zales, a quick lunch at Denny's. From a big stores downtown to the stores at the mall, they would dash away, dash away and visit the mall. And up on the roof, there arose such a clatter. As Grandpa hung ice before lights up on the brand new step ladder. He hung lights and would, and that would flash, he hurled lights that would twirl, yet he never once prayed to Jesus, the light of the world. Christ's eyes, how they twinkle. Christ's spirit, how merry. Christ's love, how enormous. All our burdens, your care. So instead of being busy, overworked, and uptight, let's put Christ back in Christmas and enjoy some good nights. Kind of interesting, huh? Uh, and um, I wanted to share this because it is so easy for us to be very distracted during Christmas. You know, I tell our folks, when you think about the word Christmas, this is a little bit corny, but still, I always think about it. And when you think about Christmas, some of you speak Spanish or taken Spanish in high school. What does the word mas mean? More. So whenever th- when I think about Christ, Christmas, Christ, mas, I'm thinking to myself, okay, Christ, more, more of Christ. It's an opportunity for us to have more of Christ, not less. And I believe Satan works extra hard than to distract us from thinking about more of Christ, the light of the world. 
And so we want to celebrate Jesus. And um, and there are things that seem to distract us. There are gifts and Christmas trees and mistletoes and stockings and Christmas lights and Santa Claus, traveling among other things that kind of distract from the true meaning of Christmas. And we do need a strategy uh, to keep Christ at the forefront of our mind. And, um, and I believe we can do that by using these various symbols that we see all around us to help us to remember, to remember and have more of Jesus. Uh, it is God's will for us to remember more of Christ. Amen. And not be distracted. I want to begin with a passage here in Genesis chapter nine and, and this passage of scripture is dealing with the time of Noah. Remember, it was not a good time, and God brought judgment upon the people, and there was a flood, and uh, Noah's family and animals were saved, and after that, God gave a symbol. And verses 16 through 17 says the following. The bow, and this is talking about the rainbow, will be in the clouds, and I will look at it and remember the permanent covenant between God and all living creatures on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and every creature on earth. And so every time they would see the rainbow, what 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 was it supposed to do? Oh, yes. I remember the covenant, remember the flood and, and remember the promise of God and, and what he said he would never do ever again. And so it was a tool that God used to help them remember of this great, this great judgment that God brought upon the people. And, and throughout the Bible, there are various symbols that God used, situations that God used to help us to remember him more. Remember the exodus from Egypt. There was a pillar of fire and a pillar of clouds. Uh, and, and, and it represented God. Fire by night, cloud by day, and the clouds would move, uh, the, the people would follow. And, and even after the whole incident, would they ever see fire the same way again? When they cook, what did they use? It's not like, you know, the electric stoves that, that some of us might have. We just, you know, click that on and it just glows red and maybe there's no fire. But if you have a gas stove, you can see the fire. And especially if you go camping, you would see the fire. And back in the, back in, uh, the biblical times here, uh, they would definitely see fire because that's how they cook. And so every time they would see the flame, I think they would remember, man, remember how God led us out of Egypt. And, and from the days forward after the whole Exodus experiences, as they would look into the skies and, and see the clouds in its various formations, and they can talk to their children. I remember that time when this pillar of clouds was used by God to lead us to our destination. God used the circumcision as a sign of the covenant with Abraham. And every time they would look at circumcision, they would be reminded, oh, this is 
There's a reason for that. It helped them to remember the, the promise that God had made. And even with Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, when he had a dream while fleeing his brother Esau, he took a stone and placed it under his head and set it up as a pillar. Remember that? And he put poured oil on it. And he called that place Bethel. And every time he would see that place and see that pillar, he would remember that dream. Israelites put 12 stones as a reminder in Joshua chapter 4 when crossing Jordan to the promised land. The Israelites took those 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan to serve as a sign among them forever to remember how God had led them, how they had experienced the power, the almighty power of God. The Passover. The Jews still practices the Passover. And why do they do that? It's to remember how the Lord passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared their homes from death and misery. In the New Testament, Jesus asked his people to remember the Lord's Supper. And, and we do that in, as we practice communion or the Lord's Supper. We take the two elements of the bread and, and the cup and, and, and we remember the body of Christ, as we think about the bread that was that is being broken, we remember the bre- uh, His body that was broken for us, and and we when we take the cup, we remember the blood that was shed for us on the cross, and and we remember those things until Jesus returns, and and we do those things frequently to help us to remember. And and the list can go on and on as we think about in what ways that that God used throughout the scriptures. To help us to remember him more and more. And, and I want to take some time on this Christmas morning to think more about Christ and, and use some of the symbols that we may see on a regular basis to think more about Christ. It's like tying a little string around our finger to, to help us to remember, right? Oh yeah, I gotta, Buy some bread today. You need to tie a little string on your finger. Or some of us, uh, if you are married, you may have a ring help you to remember. Oh, that's right. I am married. Right? You know, I am married. I, I made vows to my spouse. These are things that, that helps us to remember. So with that in mind, uh, I want to talk to you about some things. First is the Santa Claus. Santa Claus. We see Santa Claus everywhere, right? Um, when we think about Santa Claus, we think about his red, you know, his red costume, his uh, red, big red bag that is slung over his shoulder, and how he takes these gifts to all the people around the world. Well, the real Saint Nicholas was born in the Middle East, about 350 miles northwest of Bethlehem. In the 4th century. He grew up and uh, became the Bishop of Myra. Which is now known as Kale. His hometown is Lycia. uh, Is near the coast of what is now called Turkey. Legends tell of his love for children. And his 
incredible kindness. Perhaps the most famous story of all regarding him tells how he helped three unfortunate young sisters who had all suitors, but they had no doubt to be married because their father, uh, he was a poor nobleman and he couldn't raise the money. So the daughters could not marry even though they had suitors. Now, Bishop Nicholas was a shy man and he didn't like to give money directly. So he thought of a way to give the money anonymously. Something that we also might do. When the first daughter was ready to marry, the good bishop tossed a red bag of gold into the house at night. Later, when the second daughter was ready to marry, he did the same thing. Red bag of gold to the house at night. So when the third daughter was prepared, preparing to marry, the poor nobleman was determined to figure out who is this generous person that was giving this dowry to, the, to his daughters. And so he stayed up into the night and it has been said that St. Nicholas climbed on the roof and dropped the third bag of gold down the chimney. Right? And where it landed on a stocking that was hung to dry, giving us the reason to hang up Christmas stockings today. When the father saw that, saw what had happened, uh, he approached St. Nicholas and said, thank you. And, and, you know, he wanted to just tell the world. But St. Nicholas, as shy as he was, said, please, please don't tell anyone. But of course, the, the good news got out and, and from then on, whenever anyone received an unexpected gift, they thanked Nicholas. So when you think about St. Santa Claus, um, you know, we think about gifts. And when we think about Santa, Santa usually brings gifts and, and, um, we can think when we see his symbol or his figure, his picture, Santa Claus, we can remember the greatest gift that was ever given, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? It is about giving. And it's about God, the creator of the world. This incredible God gave not just little things to people, but he gave the best thing. His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, as a gift, so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It was the gift of His one and only Son, so that we might receive salvation, forgiveness of sins, and that we may have a right relationship with God, be restored into that relationship where we get to spend all eternity with God in heaven one day. Praise the Lord. This is an incredible gift. So when you see Santa Claus, I, I want to encourage you to think about God. And that little bag that he has, man, our Heavenly Father, that bag could not hold Jesus. You know, it's not that small. Earthly things, any earthly thing is very small. Wouldn't you agree? It comes and goes, it breaks down, and 
burns up and, and we can never take it with us when we die. But what God has given to us, it is incredible. It cannot be contained because it is God himself given to us as a gift. The second thing that I want to talk to you about is the mistletoe. Mistletoe. And we see that during the season, right? It's the, as a form of decoration and whatnot. Uh, I want to share with you at least three interesting facts about mistletoe and how it could help us to remember Jesus. It could help us to remember the gospel. They say mistletoe is actually actually an aerial parasite. It's an aerial parasite that has no roots of its own and lives off the tree that it attaches itself to. Did you know that? Pretty interesting. Once a, a pastor friend of mine, uh, who was kind of weird, but he was expert on trees. I think that was his, he was bivocational and he was one of those guys that worked on trees and landscaping and whatnot. And so he was an expert and he showed me a, a tree that was just covered in mistletoe. Right? And he said, Without this tree, all this mistletoe would die. Isn't that interesting? And if you think about it, we are like mistletoe. We are like mistletoe, aren't we? Without the tree, the cross of Jesus Christ. If we are not attached there, we would end up in death. We have no life. There's only death. But when we have the tree, we have life and life. The second interesting aspect about mistletoe is that it was thought to be sacred by the ancient Europeans. Actually, some Celtic people felt it possessed miraculous healing powers. In fact, the Celtic language for mistletoe means all healing. That's what it means. All healing or all heal. Christ's death on the cross brings spiritual healing. Amen? All people have a terminal disease. Every single one of us. No matter how good we think we are, we have a terminal, terminal disease called sin and we are all bound to be, to experience the spiritual death that will be forever. But look, Jesus is the great physician that heals our, all our sins. And in fact, in Christ Jesus, there's total healing, amen, for our sins. And the healing is complete, never partial. It is final. And so, when you think about the mistletoe, the second aspect of all heal, think about Jesus, who brings total healing to us from our sin. This wretched disease of sin. The third aspect of mistletoe uh, is a symbol of love. And this might be more, um, I guess, uh, memorable for you guys. Uh, and you we see it in TVs and movies and whatnot. For whoever finds himself or herself underneath the mistletoe, what usually happens? A kiss. Wedding curve, right? 
It's an expression of love. And who is a greater expression of love than Jesus himself? Christ. He said, God, speaking about himself, God is love. It is a part of his DNA. He is wired in a way that he is very loving. And, and God tells us this through his word. And so, because of the fact that he is love, what did God do? God sent his son Jesus to die for us in the cross. It's an expression of love. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So, when you see the mistletoe, at parties or gatherings or decorations in, in your homes and whatnot, think of at least three things. Think about the cross. You can't live alone. It needs to be attached to the tree. Think about the healing that he brings from our sins and think about the love that God has for us. The third symbol that I want to mention is the Christmas candy cane. You know, the, the candy cane, right? And you've probably heard of this. And there's a legend surrounding this candy cane. To many, it's just Christmas candy. You know, you use it to decorate trees. Right? I don't know. They're missing some candy canes on that Christmas tree. But, uh, you know, they put Christmas the candy canes on trees and as a form of decoration. And, and you can put it in different places and, and or just to eat, right? But there are some, some things that we can learn from or think about when we hold a candy cane or see a candy cane um, during this season. Uh, one is that it is made of hard candy. It's always hard candy. Not the chewable kind. Like a, it's not a gummy, gummy candy cane. It's it's hard candy. And which represents, I believe, that uh, Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And he is the cornerstone of the church. So it's the hardness of it. He is the rock of our salvation. The It is shaped to resemble which letter? J. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, oh, no brainer there, right? We're talking about God and it's a J. So, okay, it's about Jesus. You know, there's a saying that if some pastor or Christian teacher ever asks you a question, just say Jesus, and, and 80% of the time you'll be right. Right? So it's Jesus. J is for Jesus. But if you turn it around, it looks like a shepherd's cane. Right? And so you go, oh, Jesus, who is the great shepherd. Right? It is part white, which symbolizes or represents the purity of Jesus. And also it could reflect what we become in Christ Jesus, white as snow. Now, if you look at the candy canes, the ones that I'm thinking about, it has one bright red thick line, and then it has three uh, thinner lines, right? So the big red line, we can think of that as the blood of Christ that was shed for us uh, on the cross for our sins. And the three... Thinner lines represent the work of God in our salvation. But it has three lines to represent God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Trinity is there. 
Trinity is found in the candy cane. And it is also peppermint. Peppermint. Now I know there are some other flavors that they sell now for marketing and whatnot. But traditionally, it was peppermint. And it's interesting because it is similar to hyssop. And actually, it belongs to the same family. And hyssop in the Old Testament, in the Bible, it was used for purification and sacrifice. And it helps us to remember Jesus and what he did for us. To sacrifice himself so that we may become pure in God's sight. So the simple candy cane can help us to remember various things about Jesus and the gospel and about the very nature of God. The fourth thing that I want to mention to you today is the Christmas tree, which we have right back there. The Christmas tree. The exact origin is unclear, but it is interesting to learn about how uh, these trees were used. Right? The Egyptians, in celebrating the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, bought green date palms. Right? Green date palms. They brought green date palms into their homes as a, sem- as a symbol of life triumphant over death. They brought the trees inside. So trees, usually they're outside, right? But they started to bring it inside. And, and it symbolized life triumphant over death. Now, Celtic Druids uh, revered the evergreen trees as, as manifestations of deity because they didn't die. They, you know, other trees, they seem to lose their leaves. But evergreens, they seem to just stay together throughout the year. And for them, these evergreen trees represented eternal life and hope for the, for the return of spring. So, as you can see, as you see the Christmas trees, uh, I hope you'll remember our victory, first of all, in Christ Jesus over death. Right? And in him, how we can have eternal life. Uh, but also, uh, that we can really remember that, uh, this hope that we have as followers of God. This hope that, that, that never ends. And, and how we, no matter what our, our circumstances of life might be, we can endure because of Christ. We can look forward. You know, I love the passage in the Bible where God talks about that in the future, when Jesus returns and and settles accounts in heaven, there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. Man, wow, how wonderful is that? You know, some people in our day ask the question, hey, uh, if there's such a loving and and um, and good God that oversees everything, why is there pain and suffering in the world, and why is there evil? And I say, you know, if they ever ask me that question, I always say, you know, that's a good question, and you are right. I agree with you. One day, when God settles accounts, when everything is said and done, all of that will perish. Because God is totally in charge. But until that time, what, what are we faced with here in this world? 
We got the fallen world. We got our sinful nature and the decisions and the consequences that arise from it. And so uh, until that time, we still have all this mess that, that we have to work through. But God tells us that he is patient with us, not wanting any to perish. And that until that day comes, we have an opportunity to turn from our sin and place our faith in Christ. And that through him, we may experience triumph over death and have hope of eternity with him forever and ever. Last but not least, I want to talk to you about the Christmas lights. Christmas lights are everywhere during this season. And, uh, and I know that in Austin, there's something called the Trail of Life. And, and you may have something similar in, in Atlanta or in different places where you can either walk or drive through various places where there's just like tens of thousands, if not millions of lights, right? And, uh, and you may even decorate your homes where you have some Christmas lights, right? Whether it's outside or inside, we have them. And there's a little, I found something a little interesting about the history of using lights and the American custom of using electric lights began, they say, in 1882 uh, when Edward Johnson, an associate of Thomas Edison, remember, he's the one uh, attributed to as, as the one inventing the electricity or light, light bulb, right? But anyway... Edward Johnson was an associate of Thomas Edison, hand-wired 80 red, white, and blue bulbs, and wound them around a rotating evergreen tree. And then in 1895, President Grover Cleveland set up a lighted Christmas tree in the White House, and the general public began to notice. You know, when they do stuff, you go, oh, I want to do that. Right? And they began to copy that. And so... Uh, tradition, that's, the, that's how they say the tradition began. And so we began to take that and we take the tree and, and look, it's lit. It's Christmas light. And we have lights in our homes as well. And lights are beautiful. And, but you know what? It doesn't compare with the true light of Christ Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world. Look, the light has come unto the world. And so when we see Christmas light, Again, it's an opportunity. Oh, light. Oh, light. <laughs> you know, it's like, I remember Jesus. More of Jesus. More of him. Thinking more about, you know, I don't know if Satan uses these things as a distraction. Oh, we have to, we have, oh, we have to hang these lights on our house, decorate these things or, or, or wherever, or, or get to see the, the light. But you can say, oh, this is an opportunity through the light that we get to remember about Jesus. Whatever Satan works to do in, in terms of distracting us, we can use it against him to remember more of Christ. And so each time you see the following, like Santa Claus, think about God who gave the greatest gift, which is his son. The mistletoe, think about life, healing, and love. When you see candy cane, think about Jesus and his sacrifice. Christmas tree, the, the eternal life, the hope of forever living with God.
the likes about which reminds us about Christ and and also about how we are to shine for Him, right? Until He returns. And even as some of us travel, we came, I came from Texas, my uh, sister-in-law and her husband came from Chicago, and some of you may be traveling or some of you have traveled here. But even traveling can help us to be reminded of Christ. If he travels, right? From from eternity with God the Father, become a flesh like one of us. That's, that's travel. To become like one of us here in this world. He was omnipresent, but now he was present here in one place as the Son of God. So, um, all these things could help us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says, She gave birth to our firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. Jesus is the reason for the season. We celebrate him. I know there's much about materialism and consumerism during the season, but we need to do some, I don't know, jujitsu moves on it, you know? Some wicked moves and, and turn it around to have more of Christ and truly make it Christmas, right? Christ must. In Spanish, I don't think you would say Christ must, right? I don't know how you would say it. more of Christ must exist. But the point is this. It helps me to remember, right? More of Christ. More of Christ. Because Christmas is a day where we celebrate Jesus with Right? Yes, family is important. Yes, traveling is important. Yes, food is important. Uh, all those important things doesn't compare with the main thing. And that's why we're here, even on Sunday, on a Christmas day, right? To worship and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's how I want to close. And, and it's, it's a battle to fight to remember Jesus in our life. We're so busy. So, with that being said, the way I want to close is just to say or sing Happy birthday to Jesus. Okay, because it's his birthday. Right? So I'm I'm not the best of singers, so you have to sing with me loud to drown drown out my voice. Don't let me sing alone, okay, because that would not be music to God's ears. No yours. Okay, so here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you.